Playing Field, a podcast about video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kimball, and joining me today is Joseph Summer. Hi. And Aubrey Kimball. Hello. And today we're talking about games coming out this year that we're excited about. But before we get to that, though, I want to let everyone know that if you've got feedback or questions, email us at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Also, check out our website, which is www.lpfgaming.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Level Playing Field Gaming. Now let's get to it. Let's start this one off with a little what you've been playing. Aubrey, why don't you start us off? Well, lately I've been playing Infamous Second Son, because I like to be very, very late to the party. It was a game that was released in 2014. It was in like the launch window of the PS4, I think. Yeah, it was. uh, I don't know if it was a launch title, but it was pretty close to it. It was something people were really excited about, actually, as a way to showcase the graphics capability of the PlayStation 4. Obviously, it's aged in the six years it's been out. There have been advancements, but it does hold up pretty well. So it's a platforming adventure action kind of game. Very Spider-Man-esque, I would say. Wall crawling, leaping vague flying with your powers i'm about a third to halfway through it and i've been really enjoying the story so far i'm on a bit of a troy baker kick i watch retro replay which is a show that he does with nolan north and it's given me more interest in older games and diving into stuff that maybe i would have kind of passed on or whatever so just like I've got actors, I'm like, well, they're in this movie. I wouldn't see it otherwise, but I'll see it for them or a show or a project or whatever. Him being in it has me going back and trying certain games. So it's been fun. It's good. The The action elements, the, the power control stuff along those lines is not as good as Spider-Man. Obviously, Spider-Man was excellent, executed yeah. everything really well, so... But yeah, the basic idea is it's a superhero game, but outside of your mainstream, well-known superheroes, it's yeah. it's like an original. It story. is. It's an it's, original story. It's I think the third in the series. Yeah, I think so. In the infamous series, it's the only one I've ever dabbled in, and I played it right after Spider-Man. So I m- maybe got a quarter or a third of the way in, and then kind of bounced off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I should go into the story a little bit in case someone has really never heard of it. but Yeah, just like a top-down top bird's-eye view of what the game is. Very briefly, all of the X-Men, there are people who have genetic mutations and the abilities to do fantastical things, like manipulate certain elements. And Delson, who is the protagonist you play as in this game, actually has the ability to draw powers out of people. But he doesn't realize this until he first interacts with one of the people. The government has really cracked down on it. There's a special division of the government in charge of containing them and controlling them. And so he's decided to take them on in Seattle. And beyond that, really, I haven't gotten too, too far into the story to really yeah, that's, go much farther. But That's good. Just a basic yeah, as a, a brief summary concept of what you're doing in the game. It's fun. And it's got this interesting spray painting mechanic. That threw me off the first time I did it. Because it was a launch window game. Yeah, you have to actually use the motion controls in the yeah, PlayStation yeah, yeah. 4 it's controller. Like, oh, you've got a, a DualShock controller. So it's got a little swipey pad. So you got to actually use the swipey pad, which makes you take a hand off and back on the controller. And you got to tilt it and press the trigger. And it's 
it's fun. It's all right. It doesn't. It's gimmicky. It is gimmicky, but it's not a truly necessary part of the game, so you can't avoid it if you really don't want to bother with it. Yeah, after they teach you the mechanic, it's kind of a side thing. Well, and it also has a, a good karma, bad karma mechanic. Yeah. So you can choose to save people or kill people, make the noble choice, paragon, renegade kind of stuff. And as with all games where I have that option, skewing very good or very paragon because I don't like to be mean to people. But yeah, so about a third of the way through the game and it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Cool. Anything else? Sims 4. Hmm. It's the, the tiny house release came out about two weeks ago as of recording this roughly it's been fun it got me back into it for a little bit i've been playing around messing around they seem they've been asking a lot of surveys and trying to get a lot of feedback from the community so i think they're actually going to roll out some pretty big changes here soon that i'm looking forward to but so far nothing official has been announced as far as any major changes but as always it's something i can drop in mess around a bit Pull right. out really easily. Comfort food. Exactly. So, Joe, you've been playing anything fun? It depends on your definition of fun. I've been doing wizard chores and World of Warcraft since the last time we talked. That sounds really fun. It's, it's you know, new patch time, so the routine lately has been, you know, come home from work, hour or two on wizard chores, and then it's usually about time for bed. Are they literally called chores? No, I mean they're called dailies, but you know. Okay, I didn't know if they had like changed the terminology. <laughs> there have been some major updates to WoW since we played. No, no, no. They still they still dress it up with the whole oh they're dailies, but yeah, they're just for the next few weeks. It's just every day you gotta log in and do them, and then after those few weeks are up, you hit exalted with the new factions and the raid settles into a steady rhythm then that'll drop off it'll just be like a login a couple of times a week to maintain your character and that's it cool well for me i started sekiro and i've been enjoying it it's hard it's a souls game but after playing uh jedi fallen order the whole parry mechanic was a little bit easier for me to grasp than it might have been if I had started with Sekiro, but I'm not really far enough in to talk about it too much. I've also been playing The Witcher on PlayStation 4. What? Yeah, I'm still doing my playthrough of that one. I haven't beat it yet, but I'm in the end game, literally about to go fight the wild hunt. But the main one that I wanted to talk about is Super Smash Brothers, because for some reason, so as of recording this, The final character for the fighter pass, the first fighter pass, just came out, and it's Byleth from Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is super controversial because people are mad that it's another Fire Emblem character. I was going to say, there are quite a few Fire Emblem characters in it now. Yes, there's a lot. There's also a ton of Pokemon and a ton of Mario characters, Mm -hmm. but, but for me, all controversy aside, I like playing Byleth. I like the play style. It's it's easy to grasp and simple, whereas a lot of the other characters they added are unique and have, like, you really have to kind of play them a bunch to get, get the vibe, the yeah, figure and... out how they play and how best to use them. So when they 
launched Byleth, they also launched costumes for the Me Fighters. There's an Altair outfit from Assassin's Creed. So I bought that. Hmm. And then there was a costume for Mega Man EXE from the Battle Network series. And I bought that because that's my favorite Mega Man. And then they made a skin that's Cuphead. Oh. Yeah, so I bought the Cuphead skin. So all those different things kind of drew me back in. And then I was playing around, and I still haven't played the story mode because I've heard it's really long, like too long. And so it's kind of daunting to me. I haven't wanted to jump in and try it yet. But I did go into the spirit board and started messing around with doing the fights and collecting spirits. And... I've just been doing that almost every night this week. I'll just jump in, play five to 10 spirit fights and then kind of call it a night. And I've been really enjoying it and been using Byleth mostly as my main, trying to kind of master him slash her, depending on which version you play. And I've been having a great time with it. I'll probably end up starting the, the campaign, the world world of light pretty soon because I've been feeling the itch. That's what the story mode's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I started it while we were in Hawaii, actually. Jetlog jet had me real good. And so I'm up at 3 a.m. just playing the Smash Bros. story. Yeah. Or staying up way too late playing it. I didn't get very far, though, because I like, think I was still just Kirby. Yeah, right. At that point. But let's circle back to the him slash her thing. What? Oh, that's just in Fire Emblem Three Houses, you can select whether you want to be a male or a female byleth at the beginning of the game oh so he's like the protagonist yeah it's the protagonist. oh okay that's yeah, who okay. you carry it's who you uh play as and for me actually you it's like legend of zelda where you can name your link mm-hmm. and so for me i didn't even play as byleth so mm-hmm. it's kind of weird getting used to that name for me but yeah it there's a there's a male and a female version and so i've been playing mostly as the female in smash but i played through the campaign of Fire Emblem as a male because there's like romance options and stuff. And so me Mm -hmm. as a straight male, I wanted to kind of (laughs) go with the most, I guess, close route to reality for me, but Mm -hmm. more immersive. So yeah, Smash Bros has its hooks in me again and I'm really enjoying my time with it, which is cool because I kind of bounced off pretty quick after I unlocked all the, all the characters back when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And so it's cool being back in it and kind of just re-remembering what a great game that is. Yeah. So now, let's move on to our main topic of this episode, which is games coming out this year that we're excited for. So we all picked, we all we all wrote down five, but we're going to go through our top three for sure, and I just want to get it out of the way up front. We're all excited about Cyberpunk. Yeah. We're all looking forward to Cyberpunk. It's probably number one on a lot of the people on this podcast list, 
So none of us chose that for the ones we're going to discuss because it's obvious. I also put in there that I wanted everyone to pick one game that could come out in 2020 but isn't confirmed and then to talk about it as if it's a sure thing. Also, before we dive in 100%, Dylan, who couldn't be on this episode, wanted us to shout out Werewolf Apocalypse Earthblood, where you play an eco-terrorist werewolf, and Vampire the Masquerade 2, both based on World of Darkness tabletop RPGs. So we get that out of the way for you, Dylan. (laughs) Hope you appreciate it. So, Joe, why don't you kick things off? All right. It's a game that you're looking forward to. So, coming out soonest on my list of games that I'm looking forward to is Doom Eternal. That's slated for, I think, sometime in the next couple of months, like March, April. I gotta double check. March, same day as Animal Crossing, actually. Oh, so, I mean, that'll be some tough competition. I know they yeah. both have the same <laughs> core audience. Yep. But yeah, same I, basic gameplay. On the so on that day, I fall in the the Doom Eternal camp. Twenty sixteen's Doom was a lot of fun, and so far it looks like Doom Eternal will be just more of the same. Maybe turning it up to eleven a little bit. But they did a, a story trailer that it's not like the story is going to be anything groundbreaking. You know, it's your typical heaven and hell kind of stuff but that that aesthetic is my version of like trashy romance novels like if you throw in like a heaven and hell plot that's like way over the top then i'll I'll be in just for that even if it's not any good from what i've heard for doom eternal it actually sounds like the the gameplay is refined more and like that kind of frantic combat puzzle where you're deciding what weapon you want to use based on whether you need shield health or ammo is kind of been cranked up a notch and then they also kind of added like some platforming elements i guess to kind of break up the action a little bit yeah that's that's definitely a a part of the science or i say science but i guess would be more of an art because it's imprecise but yeah that's part of their philosophy with 2016 doom was they didn't want it to be all action all the time because i mean eventually you get burned out so you got to kind of break it up a little bit and the platforming sections of 2016 were they were all right they didn't do a whole lot for me but yeah i'm I'm excited for the bits where they've shown where they're kind of tweaking the existing combat system it seems like they're doing some more stuff with melee and some more stuff with manipulating the environment and manipulating enemies which is is fun that's a lot more interesting than just we're gonna give you different things you can shoot at enemies to make them explode like there's only so much of that you can do before that gets old but if they give us you know hey here's a grappling chest that you can you know shoot through a demon's chest and then zip over there and melee the other one that's that's interesting that's cool yeah it sounds like some of the tools that they give you in your arsenal in this one are going to be pretty creative and over the top in a way that only doom can do i've heard from people in 
the industry and like other uh, podcasts and stuff I've listened to that have actually gotten hands on with it, that it it's a it's a contender for game of the year for them, even though you know nothing really else has come out yet. But just the amount of fun they had with it and polish and the what they were going for, they nailed so well that they think it's going to be like a, a, a kind of a sleeper hit, even though this year is like potentially slam packed with hits. Doom is going to come up in the in the game of the year conversation for sure. Yeah, in a in a industry that keeps trying to push, you know, open world and big and you know, mm-hmm. trying to jam as many features as they can in there. What what makes Doom stand out is that they know exactly what they're going for and they're going to go for a narrower scope, but they're going to execute really well on that mm-hmm. narrow scope. And I think ultimately that'll serve them better than than the bigger stuff because i mean doom has a core audience that that's what they want it's not i don't know that it's got like a super super broad appeal so rather than trying to reach out super far to other people they really hone in on what they're good about or what they're good at doing yeah and after 2016 doom that that audience has grown Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean, because once it gets out that you're really good at what you do, people will come. Cool. So what about you, Aubrey? Well, my pick that I'm most excited about is Animal Crossing. Yes, that was on my short list as well. I'm looking forward to this this mm-hmm. iteration of Animal Crossing. I mean, Animal Crossing goes pretty far back into my gaming experience, my I think it was the first game I had on my Nintendo DS Lite, and I just sunk hours and hours and hours into Wild World. And we got the Wii, and City Folk came out, and then I, it actually is what made me eventually buy 3DS was New Leaf, and just getting back into the world and playing it. And they haven't really changed it up too much. They haven't changed the formula. There's been polish, there's been changes. They're, they've been adding little things, but ultimately the game has stayed what it has been. So now with it coming back to the console and what they're doing with New Horizons, it looks like it's going to be... They're taking the concept and pushing it closer to the logical conclusion. Like, it's more than just you arrive to this town and you help build it out. Because with New Leaf, they introduced more customization you can place bridges you can do town projects you can change it up a little bit more with this one it's really Mm -hmm. giving you more control into how you customize your town i was never the i was never the person to hack my game or you you go online and you see pictures and like this is my town and they've got stuff placed in impossible places they do like the action replay or something like that and really break the game in order to make it look the way that they want it to look right I've never gone that far. I've always been content with the game as it was, but I am excited for more personalization. More flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I haven't played one since the DS. I tried the GameCube one, and just it didn't feel right on a console to me. I GameCube guess, or Wii? I think it was GameCube. Okay. Yeah, Animal Crossing just always felt like a handheld game to me, and now that mm-hmm. the Switch can do both, I'm I'm really excited to get back into this one. I like what you said about you know, how you can kind of customize the island and place roads and bridges and kind of shape your whole 
mm-hmm. island as opposed to just your house. And it's been long enough for me since I've played in Animal Crossing that I've just I've got that itch again. I'm ready mm-hmm. to kind of you ready to get back into it to have that that experience that kind of laid back, just chill. I'm gonna go fish for a couple hours and then call it a night kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like it, it, you just it's just a real chill end of the day kind of relax and get your mind right kind of game. There's yeah, just sink into it. Yeah, and so I'm ready for that. I think I think this one might. This one has the potential to hook me again, like the the one in the DS did, because I I played the one on the DS a ton. Mm-hmm. It it really does lend itself to to portable gaming too, because with the DS you can, you know, as a girl you can slip it into your purse and take it somewhere. So if you're stuck sitting at the DMV, pull it out, play it, or waiting at one of the many places that adulthood is just hurry up and wait. It's something you can pull out quickly, jump in, play around, do whatever, and then save and quit. Yeah, but it's not like one of those games where you have to start a mission, play that mission, or mm-hmm. pause it and close your DS and then open it and finish. Like it's, yeah, at any, no at any point, urgency. you can stop. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like you you jump in, you do a little something. What You're not... You're not saving the world. You're not. Mm. There's no. There's no real big skill barrier or anything happening. It's just you're just running your town. You're paying mm-hmm. off your debt. You're getting new furniture for your house. You're talking to your best friend who happens to be an alligator. You know. Mm. I was always partial to the wolves. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but stitches got me. Little, little teddy bear, and Nintendo is also going to get me with the the custom Animal Crossing Switch. Oh yeah! As of oh. recording this, they just announced that that new Animal Crossing Switch that looks pretty pretty damn good, if we're being honest. Yes. But not good enough for me to go out and buy one, but good enough for Aubrey to go out yeah, and buy a new my, Switch. Uh, I waited too. I waited until Black Friday. I was looking for a deal. I was like, I'm gonna get a Switch so I can play the new Animal Crossing. Let me wait around Black Friday, see if there are any deals. It's Nintendo, so there weren't. So I just bit the bullet, went ahead and bought one, and here we are, month and a half later. Oh, hey. Two and a half months. Well, Black Friday was in November, but... Yeah, but late. True. But yeah, here we are, roughly two and a half months later, and here it is, all pretty and seafoam green and Pastel blue. colors and... Neat little designs and oh, a KK Slider Pro controller and and they got me, they got me. So, well, the first game I'm going to talk about for what I'm looking forward to this year is the Final Fantasy VII remake. As of recording this, they just released a new story trailer, and I was already kind of excited about this game and looking forward to trying it out. But after seeing that trailer, I'm I'm definitely in for it. I never played the original back in the day, and so this feels like a great time to jump in and experience what everyone talks about, this this major event in gaming history. Because the old one is just old at this point, and I don't know mm-hmm. that I could go back and, and enjoy it like the people did at the time it came out, but having them update it seems perfect for me. I'm a little... I don't know, not upset, but it just, I wish there was a way they could have done it all at once as opposed to breaking it up into multiple games because I don't necessarily want to play it over 
four or six years or however many years it's going to end up being before the whole original game has come out in remake form. That's a long time in a pretty saturated market to leave your story out there. Yeah, but they claim that the each game is going to be a full game. It's going to be the size of a full Final Fantasy game. So I'm curious I'm curious to play this one and see what all of the talk was about for the original. I'm also curious just as a as someone watching from the outside looking in to see like will this game piss off all the old fans? Will it live up to their expectations? Will people appreciate it? Will it get high review scores? Will it bomb? And so I'm interested to play it just as a game, but I'm also interested to just kind of see how it how it does and how the fans react to it. Because it is beloved. Oh, yeah. It it was a big deal. It is still a big deal. So we'll see what happens. Joe, what you got next? Next for me is Silk Song, the sequel to Hollow Knight. So... Hollow Knight, for those who don't know, is a Metroidvania game where you are a bug who comes to this, uh, let's call it a decaying kingdom. There used to be, you know, this this big prosperous kingdom, but it's since fallen into disrepair. The What few bugs are remaining have kind of gone feral. There's a, just a handful of normal people to talk to. And so you go through and explore these ruins and these environments to try to figure out what happened. And the story is told to you in a very non-obvious way. You've got to kind of piece it together yourself. So the emphasis is on you know exploring combat, backtracking to where you've been before with new abilities so you can you know break, break into that new area. And so slated for hopefully sometime this year. Its release date isn't 100% confirmed, but it's available for pre-order. It seems likely that it will come out this year. Uh, sequel, Silk Song, and this it won't be a direct sequel. You won't play as the same character. You're going to play as a character named Hornet. So as a, a, as a fan of the first right? game... Yes. So as a, as a fan of the first game, I'm looking forward to getting to play something similar, but it'll be totally different. What they've shown so far is that, you know, she operates, she moves and jumps and attacks in totally different ways than what you're used to. She's a lot faster. She can get higher sooner in the game. You know, when you start out in Hollow Knight, you're kind of slow and you can't jump very high. You know, very much like imagining you are a, you know, knight in armor. Hornet's totally different, though. She has, I don't want to call them like webs, but something very similar to webs. And the the game is taking place like in a whole different area from the first game. So instead of just being like a sequel that's kind of a you know, okay, we're going to do kind of the same thing again. We're going to stick with what works for us. They're pushing it out into this whole, like, okay, we know people like bugs 
and they like Metroidvania. So let's do that part again, but they're going to chuck out, you know, a whole bunch of stuff from the first game and give us a whole bunch of new stuff instead. It's kind of like maybe the more recent Mario games, you know, early in life, Mario was kind of like, okay, it's kind of the same game, but there's some subtle differences between, you know, one, two, and three versus if you compare like Sunshine to Galaxy to Odyssey, like those are all radically different games. I think Silk Song is in that, you know, it's going to be radically different. And I'm really looking forward to it. So this is your game that isn't confirmed, but you're confident will come out this year. Yes. Yeah. There's no no release date, but based on what they've shown, it seems very likely it'll come out this year. And also, do people really like bugs? Well, they like cute bugs, which are the kind <laughs> in, in Hollow Knight. Some people like bugs a lot. All now, right, if, and with that, <laughs> what were you saying, Joe? Oh, I was going to say, if they were, you know, maybe photorealistic bugs, it'd be a different story, but these are like little cutesy, cartoony bugs. Right. Mm-hmm. Stylized. So what you got next, Aubrey? So next I have Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX. Oh, wow. <gasps> Catch my breath after that. It's a a polished up re-release with new graphics and a little more 3D, better camera angles, better art version of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Blue Rescue Team, which came out for the DS. Uh Uh-huh. And then there was Red Rescue Team, which came out for the Game Boy Advance, which gives you kind of a date. It was like right when the DS came out. And so they released it for the Game Boy Advance and the DS. So this is an old game, one from my childhood, another one I sunk a bunch of time into that's getting a re-release. It, I've always been a big fan since they started doing the Mystery Dungeon ones. I've loved that style. This is the one where you play as where a you, Pokemon. You right? are the Pokemon, yeah. The premise of all the Mystery Dungeons is that you are a human being who gets turned into a Pokemon. Huh. And so rather than capturing Pokemon, after you beat them in battle, they will randomly decide... Hey, I like you. I'm going to join your team. And then you can choose to bring them into the dungeons. The neat thing about the mystery dungeons is they regenerate. They change every time you go in. So it's a different dungeon that you're going through every time you go into that particular dungeon. And typically the plot revolves around why the heck am I a Pokemon? What's going on? It was... One of the first games that I can remember very distinctly making me cry at the very end because it's not just your starter Pokemon. This is your best friend. And especially in Blue Rescue Team, this, for me, was a Charmander. This little Charmander is your buddy, your friend. He's looking out for you. You get into fights together. Like, you scrap. You you stick with each other to the very bitter end and... I don't want to spoil this, I don't know, very old game, very old game, but it's just, it's... Something bad happens to the Charmander? No, nothing bad happens to the Charmander, but bad bad stuff happens to the both of you, and you get through it together, and 
Anyway, it's just, it's, they've always had really nice stories. Even the other ones with the Mystery Dungeon games have always had really nice stories. So I'm excited to be able to play this again on my Switch with updated graphics. On your Animal Crossing Switch? On my Animal Crossing Switch. Actually, yeah. It actually comes out before Animal Crossing. So maybe if I really power through it, I can have it beat before Animal Crossing comes out. Mm. Probably not, though given the rate I play games, but I'm, I'm just excited to, to jump back into it, to do it again, and to hopefully experience all of that fresh. Well, for me, my next one is the Crystal Dynamics Avengers game. This game was originally supposed to come out early on this year, I think in May, and then got delayed into September as of recording this uh, a couple weeks ago. This is another one similar to Final Fantasy where I'm curious to see how it does. I'm curious to see the reception of it, the reviews, the do people like it. But I I also kind of want to play it for the same reasons. I want to see, you know, is it good? Do I enjoy it? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's the Avengers, and if they do it well, it could be extremely fun. When they initially showed it off, it was kind of like, what are you guys trying to do? You're like the dollar store version of the MCU. But after they released the trailer that showed Kamala Khan and how the whole game is kind of framed through her point of view as a fan of the Avengers and how you get to play as her and she's not even in the MCU yet, kind of gave me a little bit of hope that maybe they're not just copying and pasting the MCU in kind of this off-brand version. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of curious to see what this game will be because it's also supposedly going to be sort of a games-as-a-service type model, and I don't know how exactly that's going to work with the Avengers. Crystal Dynamics, who did the Tomb Raider games... They kind of they have that reputation for good storytelling and good kind of action adventure gameplay. So I'm I'm hopeful that this will be a good and fun game. I'm not sure that it will have the tale that they want it to have. The long delay kind of makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm just mostly curious to see can they pull it off? Will this be a good game? Will it just sell on the Avengers name alone? And I, I want to try it out for myself and see if if I agree with whatever kind of industry opinion comes out at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So you, it sounds like you're almost more excited for the launch as like a a cultural moment than the game itself, like per se. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty close to fifty fifty. I'm I'm excited to see what happens when this game comes out. And the fact that Cyberpunk also got delayed and is right next to it now makes me kind of worried for them. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the kind of cultural event in the gaming industry that will be around this game when it comes out. But I also really like the Avengers and those characters, and I hope it's good and that I do like it. It's just a lot of the stuff that they've said about you know the type of game it is and whatnot i'm not sure if that's going to be my jam but i do want to like it and i hope that 
I get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of hours of fun gameplay out of it. What you got next, Joe? For my next game I'm anticipating in 2020, I am ready to be hurt again and get the latest WoW expansion, Shadowlands, <laughs> which will launch uh. sometime at around the end of the year. All right. So I'm looking forward to this on two levels. The first level is I'm looking forward to it because it means Battle for Azeroth will finally be over. <laughs> it's It has not been a good last couple of years in the world of Warcraft. And the the direction that Activision Blizzard has gone as a company in those couple of years has been about as rough. And whether or not Activision Blizzard will change, who knows. But so Shadowlands will be kind of a make or break moment, I think, for the franchise as a whole. The the current expansion is probably the the worst in recent memory. The player count they've stopped publishing, but the player count has to be as low as it's, you know, been since the early days. Which had so. to happen eventually. Well, that had to happen eventually, but it's not even a. Doesn't even it doesn't feel like people have just lost interest and moved on. It's more like people are quitting because just the game is in a really poor state. They're telling stories that are not thought through at all. the The underlying game systems are not good. It's just a whole lot of RNG. So Shadowlands is the chance to hit reset on all of that. And hopefully there's been a trend recently of good expansion, bad expansion. And so mm. we're due for a good one. And even if in the long run, if Shadowrun ends up not being so great, the the first couple of months after an expansion launches, regardless of how that expansion goes on, it's a really fun time when you're leveling up and exploring new places and there's new there's a lot of story people. arcs and there's all kinds of like, you know, oh, I found this thing. Did you find that thing? And, you know, classes will usually get reworked around this time. And so, you know, maybe something new comes up that you're like, oh, I really like, like that play style. So even if, if you yeah, have Shadowlands ends up not being so great, yeah, no. Around the end of the year, I'll still have a, a fun couple of months getting to play it. Now, Joe, Tom, Andrew, whatever we're calling you. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Have you been keeping up with as as of recording this? Warcraft Three Reforged just came out. Yep. Have you been keeping up with the reception and the problems and the community? Around that. Yeah, I mean that that's hard to avoid if you're engaged in the World of Warcraft community. So, what do you think about that whole debacle? I think I think some of it is perhaps a little blown out of proportion. Like I think the lowest user score ever on Metacritic, I think that's <laughs> a that's a headline that gets a little blown out of proportion because we we exist in a time when being a part of internet outrage is what people want and right. so you know i th i think that like the next game to be 
lowest on Metacritic will, you know, won't necessarily be because it's better or worse than anything else. I think it's just going to be because, you know, out the outrage surrounding it is at a fever pitch. But to dogpile on it. But yes, the 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 big criticism is that they didn't deliver what they advertised. Originally, this was going to be a not just like a oh we're gonna like do some model swaps but it was gonna be a true rebuild of the game they were gonna like change cutscenes around and they were gonna take all of like the new units from frozen throne and put them in Rain of chaos and then they ended up like not doing any of that it was basically just a model swap and they did it under the guise of the initial feedback they got was that stuff was changing too much and between that and people losing their minds over classic i i can totally see how they went from you know oh we're gonna completely overhaul this game and like put all these changes in there and truly like remake it and not just you know hdify it and can see how they would have backed off from that i think the I think the criticism that they didn't do enough and didn't deliver is a little unfair just just because people have shown Blizzard that nostalgia is a powerful force and I think they're scared to mess with that. But there's also things like you now can't go download the original Warcraft 3 off of Battle.net and just play it. Yeah, I, I happen to have with this one. Yeah, I happen to have Reign of Chaos and Frozen Throne just sitting on my computer. I'll have to check if those copies are still intact or if Battle.net found them and wiped them. Because that that's that at a consumer level bothers me that like I had this thing, you guys let me download this thing, and now it's gone, and now I have to like go through this other launcher to play the game that I already own. Right. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah, and it's it's like you you're playing with the original graphics, but then like all the menus are changed and like you have to play through their new online system, which apparently doesn't work. So that like I don't know how you launch multiplayer for a 15-year-old game and it doesn't work. Cool. Well, Aubrey, what's your number three? My number three is Hellblade Senua's Saga. Which is your... It hasn't been announced officially, uh, the release date yet, but it could possibly maybe be 2020. We don't have a concrete date. Speculation is maybe holiday season this year. If it doesn't get delayed, which seems to be happening a fair bit this year. Well, it can't really be delayed if it doesn't have a date. This is true. Um, I loved the original Hellblade, mm-hmm. Anxiety and all. And I mean, there's not much that I can say about the sequel. There's but that trailer at the oh, Game Awards was, was I mean, it, pretty it, hype. It was pretty hype. Grabbed Brayden immediately, got him going, wait, hold on, hold yeah, on. Yeah, he went back what and played this? the original, and it was his game of that year because he only played like two games that year of that (laughs) came out that year year. yeah yeah so 
yeah, I'm excited for the sequel. I'm excited to see where they go with it. I'm excited to see her story continue because they did leave it a kind hair, of open, kind of open ended. Yeah, her. They said her story's not over. There's more that could be done with her. I went, oh, cool. I wasn't paying attention to the buzz around this game at all. I don't know if it was big enough to get a sequel. So I was, it came completely out of the blue for me. I hadn't heard rumors. I hadn't heard, hey, sequels in the works about Hellblade at all. They kept it really quiet. So when that trailer hit at the Game Awards, it's like, yes, I'm so excited. It'll It'll be interesting to see what they do now that Microsoft has purchased them and they have like that full financial backing and also they announced the sequel to hellblade at the announcement of their new console so it's like Mm -hmm. this is kind of a mascot game kind of putting it out there front and center hey we have the new hellblade this is a big deal so it'll, it'll be cool to see the leaps and bounds in gameplay or or graphics or technology or whatever it happens to be when it comes out you know i i assume it's going to be a much bigger game yes. in some way yes. in in multiple ways now that they have the the weight of microsoft behind them i am hopeful that it will be a bigger game that we will get more time in there with her story i wouldn't change anything about the original at all right i think the pacing was magnificent so I wouldn't want that stretched out. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want more of an open world. I liked the fact that it was linear. I liked that there were kind of collectibly things along the way, but it wasn't a huge, huge deal if you didn't get them. So the for what it was, it was very well done. And so I'm hopeful that if they go in knowing it's going to be a bigger game, a bigger story, a bigger whatever, that they will handle it well and they will do it well. Yeah, and I think they will. I think Ninja Theory knows what they're what they're doing with this property. Yeah, it does seem, again, based entirely on a teaser trailer, pure speculation at this point, but she was chanting and seemed to be rallying an army of some sort. Right. So I'm curious to see how much she will be interacting with actual human beings this time. Because in the last game, it was just her memory of the guy who taught her about the Norse gods mm-hmm. and her memories of her fiance Dillian and her maybe real, maybe hallucinations and interactions with the Norse gods themselves. So I will be curious to see how they handle her possibly interacting with actual human beings with the psychosis and with everything that's going on. Right, and how much has she changed since the experience in the yeah, first Yeah, how game? much has her psychosis resolved with the resolution of her story in the first game? Right. And how much will it still be present and still be with her? Because it was, it was a well-established thing that she was very unwell throughout her entire life. So. And, yeah, Ninja Theory seems very driven in their pursuit of, like, kind of shining a light on mental illness and kind of yeah and representing it honestly and representing it respectfully as strange as it can seem like it's not just it's kind of a gimmick but not really yeah no they they seem to want to kind of use their games as an, an outlet to kind of expose and express kind of a more true genuine 
approach and like what these experiences could be like or or kind of make the general public see things in a different light you know yeah and as as a way to shift the conversation around this is someone who is experiencing psychosis right she has a history of schizophrenia she hears voices and she is having a psychotic episode based on a very traumatic event technically she's psychotic right now but the stereotype of psychotic is so different from what she's actually going through, which is Mm -hmm. a very painful, traumatic experience. And while she does lash out at who she feels is responsible for what put her in that psychotic episode, it gives you some sympathy and, and a way because you're with her during it to recognize that this isn't someone who's just become violent. Mm-hmm. They are experiencing something. Something is happening. And while it can be hard on the outside to figure out what's going on in there, there's there's a logic, there's a reason, there's a method to the quote-unquote madness. So, yeah. Don't really know anything about the sequel, but love but, the first yeah, game. Based and on I'm, the first one. It... I'm very excited to see what they do. Cool. And in that same vein, my third game is... Breath of the Wild 2, which we've only had one teaser for, and same thing. Based on the previous game, I'm super excited to see what the sequel will do and what it will be. In my notes, I wrote, duh, it's more Breath of the Wild. I mean, really? So, I mean, we don't know much. I think that it could come out this year to kind of compete with the console launches and keep Nintendo in the conversation, but I also could see it being any other year. Nintendo also kind of just does whatever they want. That is true. They play by their own rules. Yeah. I I find your prediction to be bold that it's going to come out this year. (laughs) I feel like very optimistic before. Yeah. I, I think that was on one that maybe it was when we maybe lost the audio on, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily in the minority. I feel like there are people that agree with my perspective, kind of based on the Majora's Mask situation and also the theory that I've thrown out there that, you know, if Nintendo drops a new Breath of the Wild, they're going to stay extremely relevant while the other two companies launch consoles. But I also do see the relevancy and the valid points of any other argument that says no that's too soon it could it can't possibly come out this year but i'm hopeful and i want it to come out this year and there are like rumors and stuff kicking around that you'll get to play as zelda which we'll see if that actually happens i'd like to see a a return to more traditional dungeons in the sequel i've also heard yeah i've heard that thrown around to a lot of people say that you know they love breath of the wild but one of the things that they would change or add to the next one is give us more bigger intricate traditional dungeons as opposed to just kind of the divine beast thing that we had in breath of the wild
So now it's time to move on to our Game Pass report. And this week, Aubrey's going to talk to us about a little game that she's already kind of teased a little bit and talked about. a little bit. She's going to talk about it a little bit more now. So what you got, Aubrey? So what I've got is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. What? What? So it was a game that I... First of all, I mixed up with, and it's not Horizon Zero Dawn, but my brain's not giving me, what's the one with the other Viking chick with the red hair and the braids? I got them mixed up the first time I saw the... Horizon Zero Dawn has a chick with red hair and braids. Oh, I was right. She shoots, she kills robot dinosaurs. Yes, yes. So I got them mixed up Hmm. when I first was poking through our library on the xbox Uh, horizon zero dawn is a playstation exclusive i don't i'm (laughs) on this podcast but i i never said i know video games all right well (laughs) so that being said i'd seen the trailers for horizon zero dawn and was kind of intrigued and then i saw hellblade and was like "Mm, okay interesting beautiful looking graphics female character i'm instantly i'm intrigued i'll i'll admit that that will grab me and i don't think game pass was a thing but it was maybe either an xbox sale or uh, games with gold yeah game pass may have been around but it was in its infancy but yeah we got you picked it up on some sort of deal or some sort of free thing because you hadn't played it right when I came across it and mentioned it, I went, oh, I'm kind of interested in that. So I downloaded it onto the console, played it, loved it, experienced anxiety throughout it, mm-hmm. stressed me out. They, they mentioned, we recommend that you use headphones because it uses binaural audio to really, you know, use the headphones, really immerse yourself in the experience. And I said, no, thank you. <laughs> I will have that on the speaker system in this brightly lit living room. And as I said earlier, I loved it. I love the approach. I love the way it talked about mental health. I loved her. I immediately sympathized with her. The graphics are beautiful. The, the game itself is relatively short. It's a linear single player story. Yeah, it's kind of like a action, third-person action puzzles. It doesn't really break the mold in its gameplay. It's more mm-hmm. about the the story and the experience that you're having. Yeah, so the the game itself, in terms of length and breadth, is not that deep, but the story is super deep. Right. It. it which makes sense. That was something I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. The idea of a longer game, knowing that they set out to do that. Because I think if I had to spend any more time in Senua's sacrifice, I would have been just emotionally wrung out. As it was at the end of it, I was pretty wrung out. Right, yeah. It's, it's an intense game. That being said, when I did play it, that wolf fight in the cave broke i couldn't kill the wolf huh. like i was putting the hurt on it and it just would not go down and every guide i read 
was giving advice and stuff and it's like yeah just do this and do this and do this and like I'm doing all of those things and it's not taking any damage but then a quick reset and it was fine so yeah, I didn't have any technical difficulties like that I did have you know they give you the the rot or whatever on your arm and if mm-hmm. you if the black climbs up your arm too high then you have basically have to restart the game mm-hmm. my rot just kind of stayed in the same spot even though I died a few times and I don't so I don't know if that was a glitch or not but I didn't really have too many technical issues but it is you know mentioning that it's impressive that this is this was like a small budget game yes. but it has kind of triple a aesthetic and absolutely the only thing that, attitude the only thing that reveals that it's not a triple a title is the length of it yeah, and it's which works it's for pretty it. simplistic in its in its gameplay as well. Yeah, it's very linear. There's not a lot of exploration. There's not a lot of poking around, going different places. You don't interact with other characters hardly at all. Yeah, it's not a real there's, big world or anything. Yeah, but. There's no pick your dialogue, no accepting missions, nothing like that. You're playing through her experience. Mm-hmm. But the polish on it is... is it's really incredible for for the like the size of the team that that developed it. So, given that it is available on Game Pass and the sequel is fingers crossed coming out this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> my little crackhead hope here. Pick it up. Play it in a brightly lit room on a Saturday that you have off, so it's during the day. Cuz it gets genuinely spooky at times. And even in the moments where it's not very spooky, with the binaural sound, what they did is they had the voices that Senua hears moving around the microphone, picking up the binaural sound. So even with a sound system coming out of the TV, they still move around the room. Right. Not as much as you would with headphones or even with a surround sound setup. And in very subtle ways, it does wear on you. And you'll find yourself after a couple hours in it not able to put your finger on why you need to take a break, but you need to take a break. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a particularly harrowing scene, which there are some, there are several, even just going through some of the simpler parts of the game, just the, the hearing and the weight and the carrying on does get to you. In the version that we got with Games with Gold, there is a little documentary attached in the extras. Yeah, I think that's just in the game so i think even if you get it on game pass you can watch that yes i would highly recommend watching that after you play the game yeah it's really cool it's a really it talks about how what their original idea was it how they made it you get to really appreciate what a ragtag bunch they were like senua is played by one of the developers yeah that's that's a cool thing to touch on is that she was just someone that worked for them Mm -hmm. kind of standing in as as Senua and then that she was doing such a great job they were like hey, well, why don't you just you just play her, her. just yeah. be her and now here she is and she did an amazing yeah, job yeah she did phenomenal like, it just throughout the game and I don't like horror games I don't like scary games my other two picks for the games I'm looking forward to this year were Animal Crossing and Pokemon mm-hmm. not the Pokemon where you capture the Pokemon but the ones where you make friends with them mm-hmm. and I still wholeheartedly recommend into a sacrifice.
So now it's time for the elevator pitch segment. So the idea of this segment is that whoever's on the podcast this week will pitch me a game and I will decide a winner. The challenging part is that you only have a minute to pitch it. So it kind of goes by, I guess, Cards Against Humanity kind of rules where you can pitch something that you just think would be generally awesome or pitch something that you know would appeal specifically to me. We'll keep track of the score moving forward week to week and then at the end of an unspecified amount of time, designate a winner and recognize them in some fun way. Olive it, Garden gift card. <laughs> well, there you go. We have our first recommendation for what we should do for our winner. If you, the listener, want to participate, you can write in to lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com with your elevator pitch, and we'll read it and pitch you against whoever's on the episode that week. And uh, who knows? You may come away the victor. So, since this is Aubrey's first week, we're going to make her go first. Let me go ahead and pull up a timer real quick. I was going to say, are we going to time this or are you just going to cut me off? I'll cut you off. Are you ready? Ready. All right, so timer goes three, two, one, start. Picture this. (laughs) (laughs) Open world Scooby-Doo game Uh where you travel around in the mystery machine going from town to town, solving their various problems and mysteries. You can, let's say there's a haunted meter in each town, and as you solve mysteries in each town, it slowly goes down until you have eradicated all of the mysteries in each town, revealing all of the the scams and cons and the various things going on. You can upgrade the mystery machine with skill points that you get from solving mysteries is this like a third person action game is it like a we said open worlds it's not like a side-scrolling point-and-click adventure game no 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 this is a triple-a title here all right they're they're running away with the scooby-doo intellectual property i don't know maybe at various points you can play as different time's up damn it (laughs) all right joe (laughs) i just Uh, i'd just like to state on the record i resisted the temptation to somehow work the word witcher into my pitch. <laughs> I want to be fair. Right. Here's right. your frying pan, man. All right. I'm going to give you a countdown, Joe. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. So my pitch this week is a somewhat realistic siege simulator, specifically focusing on projectiles and building fortifications against those projectiles so you probably played a flash game like this at some point but i think we can do better than flash i think we can you know we have the technology we can model how a trebuchet would actually behave we can model how walls would take a hit so i think you take that and i think you build a full game around it you know both attacking and defending but like realistic, realistic to how it would behave in the real world, and that's it. Well, cool. Joe coming in with like five seconds to spare. 
Y'all gave me some real good gems this week. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Come on, armored mystery machine. Yeah. I guess... Ma'am. Can we get a minute timer for the judge? Yeah, I think I guess I'm I'm gonna have to go with the uh, ridiculous Scooby Doo triple A action open world uh, mystery machine customizing simulator game. Joe, the game that you pitched seemed right up your alley. <laughs> I I don't know how much I would enjoy playing it, but I come on you you don't want to set up essentially Legos and then knock them down. Knock them down. It bothers me when people take their Legos apart. You're doing Legos wrong, then. <laughs> don't insult the judge it won't help you joe well there you go you heard it from joe i do legos wrong then with that this has been another episode of level playing field thank you aubrey and thank you joe for joining me i'm andrew kimball and i've been your host i want to thank everyone for checking us out if you liked what you heard please consider subscribing and leaving a review just a quick reminder that if you have questions, topic suggestions, or criticism, send us an email at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com with anything you think could make the show better. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, goodbye everyone. everyone. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>